This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Mero Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 162 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we continue our look at Ireland's pirate queen, Grania Whale, and her struggle for survival in an ever-changing last gasp of Gaelic Ireland. This is how Grania Whale was the nurse to all rebellions. But first, a big welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If this is your first episode, why don't you head right back to the beginning uh, after listening to this, or at least back to the start of Grania Whale about four or five episodes ago. And then if you like that, head right back to the beginning and see what we've been building up to over the last three years of Fireside. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so much. If you have not done so already, you can follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard or you can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you have any thoughts, questions, queries, comments, or if you just want to get get in touch. Those are the best ways. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by joining Headstuff Plus, where for as little as €5 euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network, and there are new podcasts of them each and every month. And if you really want to support me, you can do so by buying my book, Garden Sea, my collection of poetry inspired by the religion, history, and most crucially, the mythology of Ireland and my experiences growing up there. You can order that from headstuff.org in paperback, or you can order that on the Kindle version on Amazon. The paperback delivers anywhere around the world, so don't be shy if you're in any hidden corner of the world. We can ship it out to you. Uh, thank you so much again to those who have already bought it so far. Uh, all the links are in the description or in the show notes below. Um, the story for this week, so I am still in Dubai. I am just finished up another six-show week. I actually have tomorrow off. I'm very, very much looking forward to resting my weary bones and body and voice most of all. This is actually my last couple of weeks in Dubai. Uh, I'll be heading back to Ireland for a couple of weeks um, at the end of February, at the start of March, um, but I go straight into rehearsals, uh, back into rehearsals for World of Musicals. I'm going back on the road for six months in Australia. Long-time listeners of the podcast will know that I was in Australia earlier last year uh, on what was meant to be a six-month tour that was cancelled after two months due to COVID 
but and it's been really uncertain if we were going to get to go back at all but touching every piece of wood it is finally looking like we're entering a slightly brighter world and looking like we are hopefully going to get back to Australia so that will be where I will be taking the podcast on the road to for the next six months until the late summer I think the middle of August is when I'm due to be in Australia until so I'm looking forward to that Uh, I've had a great time over in Dubai looking forward to the last couple of weeks uh, continuing playing good Irish music at the Irish Village here at the Expo and then I'll be sad to move on but excited for the next journey and to get a little bit of time in beloved Ireland before I head off on the road once more but the story for this week is our third is it our third is it our fourth I think it's our fourth it's our fourth episode on uh Gráinne Whale um and this is how and this because enters uh one of the trickier from a storytelling point of view, but definitely one of the more fascinating periods. Her story just becomes more and more interesting the more involved I've become in it. Um, and this episode explores more of Gronuel's second husband, Richard of Iron Burke, and of a very, very, I feel it's a more unexplored but very interesting aspect or period of Irish history. Um, certainly from a student of Irish history as I was, uh, where a huge amount of the focus is on the more recent side of history. This is kind of this middle ground, what's known as the Glorious Revolution, uh, before we had even the 1798 Rebellion, during the 16th century, during the very end of what was called Gaelic Ireland, uh, this is this is the time that Grainne Whale lived in. This is why it's such an interesting period that she lived in, where not only did she excel and and become this huge success as a woman in one of the m- most male dominated of an already male dominated society, but it was as an entire way of life that had been in place since about the fifth century BC, uh, since the arrival of the Celts that this was where this way of life finally was put to an end and Gráinne Whale was there at the very, very end of that. So this is how Gráinne Whale really gets embroiled in the politics of Ireland at that time. Herself, her husband, eventually her son, Tibbetan Long, Tibbetan of the ships. And so, of course, we will chat more afterwards, but this is Gráinne Whale, nurse to all rebellions on Fireside. Ronya Whale, nurse to all rebellions. Ireland's pirate queen, Grace O'Malley, was plundering the lands of the Earl of Desmond. Morris Fitzgerald was the ruler of the province of Munster and the most powerful independent chieftain left in the diminishing world of Gaelic Ireland. The way of life of Gráinne Whale and the Earl of Desmond was being eradicated by increasing pressure from England to conform to English law. To stop the Irish from joining the Catholic counter-reformation of Philip II of Spain. The raids did not go as planned, and Gráinne Whale was taken prisoner by Fitzgerald and locked in Limerick jail. The Earl of Desmond was under immense pressure from both sides. 
The Irish chieftains under him felt he was the only one strong enough to lead Munster in a rebellion against the English crown. The English knew this, and in turn had their eyes on Fitzgerald specifically. But with Grainne Whale as a prisoner, the Earl of Desmond could bide his time and appease Queen Elizabeth I. Grainne Whale was taken to Dublin Castle, the seat of English power in Ireland, and a jail reserved for only the very most important and dangerous political prisoners. While this tells us how much of a threat Grace was to the English, for an Irish chieftain who had spent her life on the open sea, a prison term must have been a living hell. Grace was away from her husband, her children, her crew, her galleys, and those who were sentenced to Dublin Castle were seldom released. Gronyawell was imprisoned with three companions, and each one at her time in Kilmainham Jail were eventually executed. Grace must have been certain that she would be next. But after two long years behind bars, Gronyawell was released, and it is not entirely clear why. Perhaps the English lords in Ireland felt she had served her time, Perhaps the political instability had settled for a brief period. But what is most likely is that Grainne Whale was released to prevent her husband, Richard on Irren Burke, from forming an alliance with her former jailer, the Earl of Desmond, in rebellion against the Crown. James Fitzmaurice Fitzgerald a cousin of the Earl of Desmond, had landed in Ireland with a thousand troops of continental Europeans. These had been blessed by the Pope and had been promised indulgences in the next life. And their mission? To wage all-out holy war against the heretical Queen of England. Elizabeth's fear of an Irish allegiance with Spain seemed about to become a reality. James Fitzmaurice went to his cousin for support. While the Earl of Desmond pondered his Hamlet-esque indecision, James Fitzmaurice was killed in a minor tribal fight. The Earl of Desmond's decision had been made for him. Whether he liked it or not, Maurice Fitzgerald would seize his cousin's mantle and Munster descended into war with England. The Desmond Rebellion had begun. One of the first chieftains Desmond went looking to support from was the MacWilliam of Mayo, and his second in command, Richard in Irons Burke, the husband of Grainne Whale. The MacWilliam had already sworn fealty to the crown, having accepted a knighthood and an English sheriff in Mayo, so the MacWilliam himself refused the call to action from the Earl of Desmond. Richard on Erin, however, was a completely different matter. As the Thornishta, by Gaelic law, Richard was entitled to be the next MacWilliam, but with the current leader having become an indentured knight of the crown, the MacWilliam ship would now be ruled by English law and passed down to the son of the current MacWilliam. The MacWilliam ship was the most powerful title in Mayo. Richard saw it as his birthright, it is what he had fought for his entire life, and if he had to undermine English law to get what was his by Gaelic birthright, he would do it. 
Richard Burke joined the Earl of Desmond's rebellion. Grania Whale was now the one in the difficult position. She did not want her husband to support the cause of the Earl of Desmond, the man who had caused her to be imprisoned for two years. Freshly released, Grace had returned to her beloved Rockfleet Castle. The merchants of Galway, who had long feared Grania Whale, heard of her release and were terrified of the return of Ireland's pirate queen. The merchants put a troop together and attacked O'Malley's castle. For nearly twenty days the attack on Rockfleet Castle went on, but so spirited were the defenders inside that the attacking forces were forced to abandon their cause, and many of them narrowly avoided being taken prisoner. Grania Whale had proved that her time in prison had not weakened her in strength or spirit, and further bolstered her husband Richard's right to the McWilliamship of Mayo. But when it came to the Desmond Rebellion, Grania Whale stayed entirely out of it. This proved to be a very wise decision. Sir Nicholas Malby was the newly appointed English governor in Connacht, and he had been summoned to Ireland to deal personally with Richard on Irem. With the aid of the MacWilliam, who was, after all, an ally to England at this point, Malby drove Richard's forces from Galway back to Mayo. Richard's Scottish mercenaries, the Galloglass, began to abandon him, and he was forced to retreat to an island in Clue Bay. From a distance, Richard negotiated the terms of his submission. He would pull his troops back from the Earl of Desmond's rebellion, but he would keep his current lands and his titles that were his by Gaelic right. Governor Malby was under tremendous pressure to move on to Connacht where the rebellion had intensified. Malby granted Richard's request, and Gronuel's husband was pardoned. Not long after this, the MacWilliam of Mayo died. By English law, the position would pass to the former MacWilliam's brother, who happened to be confusingly also called Richard. But Richard on Erin Burke and Grania Whale moved fast. They amassed an army of 1,200 Galloglass, 700 Scots, 200 horsemen, and the moral support of every remaining independent chieftain in Connacht to seize Richard's right to the MacWilliamship. Once again, the English governor of Connacht, Sir Nicholas Malby, was summoned to mail. But this time, it was to negotiate with both Richard and Grania Whale. After many threats and much negotiation, a deal was struck. Richard Burke would rule by English law, and he would claim all that was entitled to him by Gaelic law as the MacWilliam. And crucially, he was to be known as the MacWilliam. This concession to the English crown to allow a Gaelic chieftain to preserve Gaelic titles and customs at a time when the English were doing all in their power to convert the Irish shows the pressure that the crown was under from the Costa Rebellion, and as it has been well established, Richard was the warrior, not the negotiator. The political acumen was all in his wife, Grania Whale, and that is why they were such a formidable couple. One of the other conditions was that Richard would not hire any more Galloglass. 
This actually suited Richard, as it meant he didn't have to pay the ones who he had hired to fight in the rebellion. Harsh for the Scots, but they had, after all, abandoned Richard when Malby had first moved in. Richard on Irenburk had finally achieved his life's dream, his birthright. He was the MacWilliam of Mayo, a position he almost certainly never would have achieved were it not for the brilliance of Gráinne Wael. They were officially the most powerful couple in the west of Ireland by land and by sea. It is ironic that Richard's birthright by Gaelic law had only been granted to him by the English crown that sought to eradicate Gaelic customs entirely. But it demonstrates the absolute chaos that was the political landscape of Ireland in the 16th century. Despite the arrangement with the crown, Richard and Gronuel immediately set about ruling Mayo in their own way. They moved to a bigger castle and began settling old scores and solidifying their power. First, Richard sought to take out his main rival for the MacWilliamship, Richard MacOliverus. Richard Oneirin told the governor of Connacht that he needed English troops to help him collect rents owed to the crown. And instead, Richard used the English to fight his own enemies. Richard and Grace eventually stopped paying their rent to the crown themselves, and Malby sent his debt collector, Theobald Dillon, to collect the arrears. But Grace and Richard were Gaelic-born leaders, and they saw Dillon as no more than a servant, and refused to negotiate with anyone but Malby himself. Once again, the English governor was forced to come to Mayo to negotiate the rent with Richard Burke and Gráinne Wael. However, in 1583, just two short years after he had been made the MacWilliam, Richard Oneirin Burke died. The annals of the four masters recorded that he had been a plundering, warlike, unquiet and rebellious man who would often force the gap of danger upon his enemies and upon whom it was frequently forced. Richard was the last man to hold the MacWilliamship of Mayo by the right of Gaelic custom. He was truly one of the last great chieftains of Gaelic Ireland, and for twenty years he served as a noble first mate to his captain, Gráinne Wael. Nowhere is it said that Richard's partnership or even occasional subservience to his wife in one of the most male-dominated of male-dominated worlds made him any less respected as a man. He seems to have been an early exception to the warped false views of masculinity in the 16th century, which we are all still attempting to shake the shackles off today. It is a testament to Richard but further testimony to his wife, Grace O'Malley. But with her husband, partner, and military ally dead, Gráinne Wael, the nurse to all rebellions, would have to continue her fight for survival. To be continued. And that is Gráinne Whale, Nurse to All Rebellions on Fireside, and I hope you enjoyed it. Let's dive straight into this. It's really nice to get a look at, even though Gráinne Whale is our main focus for all of this, to get a look, uh, proper look at Richard on Aaron Burke, her incredibly interesting second husband, because we have this 
this fight his entire life and it seems like Richard is in a world where everything is going against him. We have this incredibly interesting position of the MacWilliam, this this Gaelic chieftain of Connacht, and it is ruled by the MacWilliam and then a Thornishta who is appointed by Gaelic right, where it, it's nothing to do with your family, it's just you earn this position to become the next MacWilliam. And Richard comes along at the worst possible time, at a time where the major Gaelic chieftains in Ireland are being asked about English law to protect their lands and their titles and their lives and to avoid war. But to do that, they have to subscribe to English law, which becomes a law of ascendancy. And that means that then it goes to the son of the MacWilliam, or the brother in the case of Richard, as it was initially. Obviously, the current MacWilliam did not have any children. So Richard seems to be up against the wall, and there's nothing he can do. And he just doesn't accept this. And he wouldn't, and he realistically wouldn't have, if we didn't have Gronje Whale here, who we have already seen has been so incredibly impressive to all of these English lords coming over. And only that these English lords, I can't say this enough, only that these English lords were so impressed and constantly wrote diaries of accounts and interactions with Gronje Whale. Do we have any historical record of her? Because we don't have anything from these Irish sources. This all comes from... Um, this all comes from English lords, her enemies, technically, these people who she was she was fighting and negotiating with her entire life. And it's very, very interesting. I think the most fascinating aspect of their relationship is they were married for these 20 years, but they led totally separate lives. Like, Gronuel is very much associated with Rockfleet Castle, Carragahowley Castle, which Richard isn't as associated with. And... The fact that Gronuel was out of prison and back living at home and back raiding and plundering and had this incredible uh, victory when her castle was attacked by the merchants of Galway and Richard is called to rebellion by the Earl of Desmond um, and she stays out of it for both personal and political reasons. You can understand both points of view. Is she had been raiding the Earl of Desmond's lands and she had been taken prisoner, but it's one thing to be locked up in Limerick Jail and another to be sent to Dublin Castle. Because if she was in Limerick Jail, she was under the protection of Gaelic custom, Gaelic law. She was under, she was being punished. The punishment fit the crime. But Dublin Castle is being surrendered to the English. That was this death sentence. And so incredibly interestingly, she isn't killed. She spends these two long years in prison. I mean, this is another thing of her 40-year career ruling the coastal lands and seas of Ireland. And two of those, at least, were spent behind bars. And this is, she's into her late 40s, early 50s at this point. She was about 55 when Richard died. So she would have been, yeah, like late 40s, early 50s when she's in prison. And then she's released and goes straight back at it straight back to the galleys, straight back out to plundering, fighting, but won't take any part in this rebellion of her former jailer. I mean, you can say that it, it could have been all personal reasons, but it's also far more likely that she saw the political implications as well. Once England got involved in the Desmond Rebellion, it lasted for about four years, but it was, of course, ultimately quashed or crushed uh, by the English forces. And Grania Whale managed to protect both her husband and herself by staying out of this. 
if Richard didn't have Gronje Whale and he was fought back by the English and then the McWilliam had died and the McWilliam ship had passed to his brother, if he didn't have a wife who had stayed entirely out of the rebellion and who also had this incredible army and this incredible incredibly devoted following of soldiers, would he have had any hope of seizing this position of power himself? Probably not. But they did get it. And yes, they had to accept an English knighthood, and he had to accept taxes and rents uh, in, in Ireland fraught to the crown. But the crucial element, again, is that he was allowed to be remain the title, the MacWilliam. If you look at the texts of the documenting of it, he's always referred to as the MacWilliam by the English lords. And even the wording of these texts is considered to be incredibly Gaelic at a time where that just didn't, it was being totally eradicated and that was approaching by the end of this century, that wouldn't exist at all. And Richard Oniron Burke is the last MacWilliam who inherited what was his by Gaelic custom, ironically being granted to him by the English crown, but that shows the the authority and the autonomy that Gronyewell and Richard both had when it came to their negotiations with the crown, and how much of a yeah, just an absolute bombsite the political landscape of sixteenth century Ireland was. And then yet yeah, just two years after after winning it and immediately settling all his old scores, trying to take out his political rivals, uh, refusing to pay his rent. And yeah, like there's, there would be this image of Gaelic lord or English lords coming over to Ireland uh, with, their fancy, with their fancy clothes and coming over to these, uh, as they perceive, barbaric Irish people uh, in their hill forts and with their old ways. This, this bearing in mind that Shakespeare exists at this time, like Shakespeare is at right at this moment, like over there making plays in, <laughs> in the globe. And over in Ireland, we have all out Gaelic tribal combat still. So you have these English lords coming over here. And yet, when they refuse to pay their rent and they send this, this uh, sheriff, this debt collector over, Gronuel and Richard Burke refuse to negotiate him with because they see him as a servant. They were viewing these like very high up English noblemen and lords as less than worth talking to for them who were born as Gaelic leaders. And that incredible sense of pride and self-worth and honor by their own customs is incredible and will really come into its own when we now have an episode coming up on Grania Wales' eventual move over her visit to England and to a certain British queen. Uh, but sadly then, yes, Richard dies just two years after winning the McWilliam. Uh, seems to die very peacefully, but he still achieved this life's worth. And unlike with her first husband, Gronuel was able to be much more protected this time, was able to seize the dowry that was owed to her. Um, and we'll just have to wait till next time to see what happens to her next. But that is uh, all we have for this week. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, let me know if you have any questions, queries. This gets to a very, very dense period of Irish history. I'm trying to make it as clear as possible to just make it like to tell a story rather than every story. But the more I research, I have a little bit more knowledge. So let me know if you have any questions, if, if anything's not clear, and I will do my best. As always, I say I'm not a historian. 
um, I try to just tell the story. Um, but in researching these episodes, I do amass a certain amount of knowledge um, that I am happy to share. And if it makes these episodes better, if it clears anything up for any listeners. But uh, next week, we will have another folk tale. We will finally, I finally found a legend of the island of High Brazil which is Ireland's legendary island set to lie off the west coast of Ireland. I've been dying to find uh, a good story of it, and I found a real real doozy that I look forward to sharing with all of you. Please do follow me over on Instagram, at firesidebard. Email me at thefiresidebard.gmail.com. Order my book, Garden Sea, at uh, headstuff.org or on Kindle at Amazon. Uh, both links are in the description below. Support me at Headstuff Plus on headstuffpodcast.com. Uh, I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.